The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn, Jr., and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles and San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming as well as from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with the sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon a landmark in Kali for 97 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hansen, in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. As you do need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. We call upon our church choir under the direction of Emilia Hahn to sing this wonderful and enlightening rendition of What the Bible Says. Yes, viewers, there are millions upon millions of books to satisfy our reading needs, but only one Bible which speaks directly to our souls, connecting us with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Edith Matsuka will accompany our choir on the piano and Iris Locke on the organ. 
Now our church band, under the direction of yours truly, will play the jubilant and blessed number, Walking with My Lord.
Our soloist Tracy Asana, with her God-given talent of voice, renders this beautiful rendition of In Heaven's Eyes. As we speak to our Lord Jesus, He hears no matter what situation we may be in. Our whispered prayer will be heard, for He waits for our hearts, cry for help, and pleads for deliverance. Tracy will be accompanied by Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, Iris Locke on the drums, Trusty Associate Pastor Evans Brooks Sr., Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars, and yours truly on the piano. A fervent prayer rose up to heaven, a fragile soul was losing ground sorting through the earthly babble heaven heard the sound this was a light of no distinction Successes only tries, yet gazing down on this unlovely one, there was love in heaven's
Coming up next will be the church choir with their final number of the day entitled, There's a New Song in My Heart. Yes, viewers, when one finds Jesus and holds him dearly in their heart, mind, and soul, he paves the way to righteous, healthy living and enough freedom that leads us closer to God. Accompanying choir will be Edith Matsuki on the piano, Rose Bachelcotter on the organ. Please join in singing as the words appear on your television screen. Next, we call upon our instrumentalist, Rose Bahaku Carter, to play for us on her banjo that victorious tune entitled, When We All Get to Heaven. Yes, what a wonderful day it will be when we gather in heaven with all of our loved ones, saints, and friends who had gone on before us. What a day of rejoicing that will be.
We now call upon the versatile and talented vocal group, the Jubilees, under the direction of Emilia Hahn to sing that uplifting and moving rendition will soon be done with troubles and trials. Jesus promises he is returned to call away his bride in the twinkling of an eye to come up hither. It will be the rapture of all his saints, those who are blood-washed, water-washed, spirit-filled, and living the life. We will hear his call and rise to meet him in the clouds. It is indeed an honor to dedicate this beautiful song to a faithful brother in Christ, Timothy Hahn, Jr. Timmy, as you faithfully stand with our Lord Jesus, he will lead, guide, and strengthen you every step of the way. May the Lord bless you in this life and that to come. Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I'd like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 a.m. 
to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV channel 28 in Eureka, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino, from 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV channel 11 in Monterey, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon, from 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming, and from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view a Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the scheduled gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At our Kamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches and services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanero Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. Elverio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espero in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espero in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. The event most believers associate themselves with is the blessed hope of the church. It involves the rapture of the saints when he comes again in all his glory. First Thessalonians gives us a detailed account of just what will happen on that wonderful and glorious day. When Christ returns, he will descend from heaven. And with the trump of God, Call and redeem his people from this sinful world. The dead shall rise first, and all those that are standing shall be translated. They all will meet the Lord in the air. The rapture will be a glorious event for the believers. Will you be one of them? My sermon entitled, Why We Baptize in Jesus' Name, was prepared especially for you in hopes that it will motivate you to become partakers in Christ Jesus. The Lord's path is always the straight and narrow. And for many, it can appear to be a difficult and constant uphill climb. But take it on good authority 
that the easy downhill path will lead you directly into condemnation. It certainly would be an irreversible and distressful fate for anyone to hear the Lord say at judgment, I know you not. Don't enter into my rest. Therefore, may today's sermon encourage you to take matters into your own hands if you haven't already done so and work on your salvation immediately. Jesus promised his disciples that he would return for his church. His resurrection from the grave and ascension into heaven confirmed the promise of victory over death, hell, and the grave. And thus, mankind can receive life eternal with Jesus in his kingdom. The body of Christ can have complete assurance that his promise will come to pass, for there is one thing the Lord cannot do. He cannot lie. To be a part of the rapture, one must have accomplished a few specific things in their spiritual life. The focal point of salvation is Jesus Christ and nothing else. We're not asked to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ initially, but to believe it. We are asked to leave the worldliness behind and live as new creatures in Christ, professing godliness. We are asked to recognize ourselves as sinners and turn to Jesus, who is the giver of life. Unless one acknowledges these things, all the efforts to achieve good works is all for naught, because one would have missed the sole purpose of his coming, which is to seek and to save that which was lost. Salvation is found in him alone. Thus we call upon his name for that purpose. The Lord himself gives a very good example of the Christian realm, which could be out of touch with true righteousness and his purpose. Let us read in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I, Jesus, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It will be difficult to read or interpret this scripture to mean anything other than the problem of sin was not addressed. These worshipers evidently expected to be in the kingdom with him. After all, they thought they were promoting Jesus since their efforts were confirmed with signs following. However, on that day, to their astonishment, they were left behind. Now you must ask yourself, why were they left behind? I'm sure it was not because through their hands the wonderful works of God were performed. It was because of their personal sins. Here's another example. When the word of God reached the ears of the members of Cornelius' household, 
they immediately rejoiced and were filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter, being a witness to this event, immediately said in Acts, the 10th chapter and the 47th verse, Can any man forbid water, that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And they were all baptized in the name of Jesus. As you can see, TV viewers, the common denominator between the two examples is that one's sins must be removed. Let us read in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. The first sin occurred in the Garden of Eden, a place of paradise created for whom God created in his own image, man. We know how they fell to their own lusts, and by conceding to the pride of life, they thus estranged themselves from the God who created them. Their act of disobedience would be detrimental for all generations to follow. And little did they realize how severe the consequences would be. The sinful nature which carries the severe consequence of physical death would be passed unto all men born into this world. As a result, everyone will be made subject to the grips of Satan and the grave. Death is no respect to all persons whether they be newborn infants to morally sound people. Death, therefore, is universally applied because all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. However, in the Lord, there is a way of escape. When Jesus came into this world, he came out of compassion. In the beginning, when sin was as rampant as it is today, the Lord did choose to cleanse the earth. And in spite of his wrath towards man, he nevertheless provided a way of escape. He sent Noah, a man who feared God, and moved him to preach 120 years. During the time of his ministry, an ark was being built. Mocking, scoffing, and persecution elevated to a higher level as the ark drew to completion. When the floods came, only eight souls entered into the ark. Thus, only eight souls were saved by water. Let us read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will not find anything outside of Christianity that will offer true salvation, which includes the forgiveness of sins, 
redemption, and eternal life. There are many religions and religious institutions in this world that offer exactly that, a religious service. To these organizations, the center or focal point is the inner self rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. To them, the word sin does not exist. Rehabilitation, self-control, inner conflict, inner peace are the terms commonly heard. In essence, all they are doing is making attempts to perfect living in this sinful world. However, for the true born-again believer, this world is not our home. And we look forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. Throughout the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the Christ, the Messiah, or the Anointed One. These titles all point to Jesus. Paul stated that through the death of Jesus, he was able to bring mankind back into the presence of God. He further explained how, through the resurrection of Jesus, he in turn gave us life. In the book of Romans, Paul explains to us of the ultimate price Jesus paid for sin. Reconcile means to bring back again. Thus, what was lost in the beginning, that is the solo man, is being retrieved through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Man's soul is destined to be lost unless it makes its peace with the Lord. Our redemption hinges on the sacrifice made by him. His body and his blood were shred for all races and cultures. However, man must choose to come to him, just as man must choose to sin. Read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God's abode can only be entered by true born-again believers. Ask yourself, viewers, if you are amongst the ones listed, Jesus cares so much for us that he helps us by clearing up the cloudy issues and simplifying what is controversial. In this case, he says, seek me first. There are many people who are zealous for righteousness, but their works fall short of being acknowledged by the Lord. Such was a man named Apollos. Read of him in Acts chapter 18, 24 to 26. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Aquila and Priscilla observed Apollos very closely and were rejoiced to see someone else other than themselves preaching Christ. They acknowledged his bonus and manner in which he delivered the word. However, it was not in the fullness that they expected. There was no mention of baptism or of the Holy Ghost or of eternal life. Summoning him to join them, they were able to enlighten his understanding regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, Apollos' acknowledge of the scriptures was illimited. 
No one told him of the fullness of Christ until he met Aquila and Priscilla. Apollos went on to be a loyal worker along with Paul and made an impact at the church in Corinth. There were other disciples of John who encountered Paul. Reading Acts 19, 1-7, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard, whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. As the apostles made their way through the cities and countries, they encountered believers such as these who were yet to be made complete in Jesus. Being the disciples of John, they were only baptized in water to indicate they believed on the one that would come after him. However, John had been imprisoned and beheaded, so the following was dispersed. Paul's visit to Ephesus was not by coincidence, but it was purposed by God. When souls yearn for righteousness, God hears their prayers. Philip was moved by the Holy Ghost to approach the Ethiopian eunuch, who was searching the scriptures but lacked understanding. Peter was moved by the Holy Ghost to visit and preach the gospel to the house of Cornelius, who were Gentiles. Thus Paul inquired of these men as to how they were saved. After being told how they had only been baptized by John, the Spirit used Paul to preach the gospel to them. What they lacked and yearned for, Paul was able to fulfill with the gospel. Within the Christian realm, there is confusion regarding the deity of Jesus Christ, as well as the baptism in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost is another item of controversy when the speaking in tongues is addressed. I've heard and read all sorts of explanations why the speaking of tongues is just another manifestation of the Spirit and not the soul confirmation of having received the gift. I stand in amazement how learned and educated men and women can overlook something so simple. They often told me how they have studied the book of Acts and do not come to the same conclusions as I do. Well, they must have missed certain chapters because my Bible tells them that all converts were baptized in the name of Jesus. Perhaps they had a different professor teaching them my teacher was Professor Jesus, and this is what he taught me. Let's read in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul tells us that repentance is godly sorrow for sin, which means having a deep, heartfelt remorse for one's shortcomings and sinful nature, and asking the Lord to give one another chance to make things right. Reading 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 9 through 10, 
Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that he sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that he might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. I pray, TV viewers, that you are beginning to see the difference between just knowing the Lord Jesus and knowing him and keeping his commandments. The promise given by Jesus surpasses the baptism of John and any other method of salvation derived by man or even given by an angel. In the baptism with the name of Jesus, past sins are remitted and the Holy Ghost is promised. It's complete, it's simple and fulfilling. We read in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when you compare John's baptism with what you have just heard and read, you should come to the conclusion, as others did, that there is something else to be done to complete your salvation. In John 3, 5, we read of the Pharisee named Nicodemus. He was not a disciple of John, but fell into the same category labeled insufficient. The scripture reads, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Many try to argue the scriptures with me, but they are not figuring fighting me. They are fighting the Lord. Some have taken the legal approach to the scriptures, which confuse them even more. Paul tells us the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Many have yet to feel the Spirit of the Word because the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I ask you, TV viewers, to recall the words of Jesus. My words, they are spirit and they are life. So the only way to approach the Word of God is with an open and believing heart. Read in 1 John 5, 10, 11, and 20. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witnesses in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Read in Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Many fades are unable to fulfill this scripture to its fullness. If in your place the worship tongues are not manifested, water baptism is not being practiced, healing and signs and wonders confirming the word of God are not witnessed and the presence of God is not felt, I think you should start asking some questions. If you TV viewers are being asked to prepare for the coming of the Lord, 
wouldn't you? You want to be sure that you have the right instructions to get there and with a gate pass that will let you in? If the medical world encourages its patients to obtain a second opinion, which is crucial to your health, how much more should you sit down and look at the scriptures to ensure you are on the right path? Let us turn to and read Matthew 28, 18, 19. And Jesus came to, into them and spake, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This is a familiar but controversial scripture to everyone this morning, but not to me or all those who preach the truth. Theology and tradition argue the assistance of Trinity or true God. But the Bible tells us that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. We turn to 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, what part of the word one don't they understand? Jesus said, I come in my Father's name, and I and my Father are one. When Jesus was born, the angel instructed Mary and Joseph that they should call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Lord God is referenced in the Bible using several names. For example, Jehovah, I am holy and reverent, faithful and true, but none so specific as Jesus. Some question the application of the word the term word in 1 John 5, 7. To settle that question, let us turn to and read John 1, 1 to 2 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. By now, viewers, you should be realized that all things point to Jesus. Here at the Apostolic Faith Church, we believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, and we believe in the Holy Ghost. The difference is we believe that these three are one and manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. You may ask, do all avenues lead to the kingdom of God? Unfortunately, the answer is no. We read Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, there is one body, and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The Lord's plan of salvation is very simple. He designed it to suit every walk of life, every level of education, every race, every culture. The Lord defined it and simplified it by putting himself on the cross, thus paying the price of sin, which simply put was required by God for man to enter once again into his presence. Jesus fulfilled it to the letter, and all we have to do is look to him. Let us turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20-21. Knowing this verse that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. At times I see learned men looking into the scriptures, 
searching for justification of their erroneous beliefs. I observe learned men confounded and confused and likened to the eunuch of Ethiopia, requiring someone spirit-filled to enlighten their understanding. Though there are many authors in the Bible, they are all of the same self-spirit, Jesus. And now, if you would like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, is your host, Head Pastor Billy Han Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of his hands. We bring our program to its conclusion with a number by the church band entitled, Tell It to Jesus.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.